I'm your director of Fun and Games for the Evening. Joining me tonight after a wonderful Friday night comeback is Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. We have him. Yeah, that's him. He's I'm really here. here. He's, <laughs> he's with us. Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. Uh, we are, of course, brought to you by Mortgage CS. We'll tell you about them a little bit later in the show, but... What a game that was, and I guess I, I don't even really know where to start. Uh, my favorite part of the game, and there was at least one fight, and that wasn't even my favorite part of the game. Well, I'm, so. I'm surprised. It, it's you would a, think that would be your favorite part of the game? It, it was the just skated. That had to be TK, oh, that, right? It really sounded like TK. And it was, I don't know for sure, but it sounded like his voice. That was 100% all of us. Like After two games of Jamie Drysdale, I am confident in saying he's the best skater we've ever had. <laughs> 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 he is the fastest player. And that's like we just saw Owen Tippett like set a record in the yeah. you know two week old or whatever it is, NHL Edge era. Uh but it was that was a really fun overtime. This game, the comeback. Remember when this team it was like, well, they gave up the first one, it's over. It's over. Like, yeah. you can just yeah. start the post game in the middle of the second period. Yeah. They ain't coming back. Yeah, that uh, was all the way through November, basically. Yeah, they've really been a lot different, uh, yeah. just in terms of having that ability to come back, even though they don't really score a ton still. They uh, you have a little bit of something maybe the power play not being just dead in the water recently has something to do with that but i guess let's let's just start with what we've seen out of them recently yeah uh because th this is the first time they've won consecutive games since they won three straight in mid-december i think it was like the 12th 14th and 19th they won three straight okay okay and it's been a little, okay, what are they yeah. for the last few weeks? Are they the team we saw that that was the end of their really good run? Yeah, but they, they basically or, were real good until yeah. the middle of December. That's when they it, started they, to turn. They had won like 8 and 10 or 10 and 12, whatever yeah. it was at that point. And then we started to see them go back and forth a little. And it was like, what are they? But now they've won two in a row. And they didn't start tonight. I mean, first five minutes they looked pretty good. But the yeah. start of this game overall, like first period, it was, oh, something happened on that plane ride. Like, they, everyone's using the wrong-handed stick. I don't know what the problem was. Uh, but now they're starting to look a lot more. And it's been a slow process, but they're looking more like the team that we saw for the majority of the first half of the season, no? Yeah, I think really since they came back from the Disney on Ice trip, which we said it's the Disney on Ice trip that very well could ruin Just, everything because it always ruins it's a everything. different universe yeah, or something. But, but really, since they've come back from that trip, you know— I would say for the most part, with the exception of that one clunker against Pittsburgh, which was just a straight-ahead clunker. Like, it happens. Teams just don't have it. Pittsburgh had it that night. The Flyers didn't. Pittsburgh had been flying, yeah. kind of just ran into a hot team. Yeah, and it happens. But beyond that, you know, I think pretty much every other game they've played since they've gotten back, obviously this is the first game on a road trip, so this isn't the homestand. But, you know, they lost to Columbus in in, in overtime. In a, was it a shootout or overtime? I don't remember, honestly. That, that first game. Columbus, I think, was the shootout. Was that, yeah, that was the shootout they lost because Goudreau scored. Yes, that and was that's the, the only goal yes. Erickson gave up, but no one could yeah, score. So but I thought they played yeah. well in that game. I thought the coaching staff let them down with the lineup that they put out there. Then they play a really good game against Calgary. They have the clunker against Pittsburgh. They play a really good game against Montreal where you know that game could have been they could, won they, six one. they could have won that five to nothing yeah. if there weren't some bad <laughs> yeah. bounces to go against them in the first period and then tonight tonight i felt like was you know we we were we had a basketball game going on in the background here at the studio because the sixers were playing at the same time as the flyers this felt to me like a game of runs where you know it was just they would kind of trade off stretches of dominance yes. the flyers were great in the first five minutes then the wild dominated for about 12 minutes after that then the second period i thought the flyers would carry play for four then the wild would carry play for three and it was just kind of back and forth where one team seemed to have all the momentum and then it would then it would flip and i think the flyers had 
longer stretches over the course of the game. They outshot the Wild. They outchanced the Wild. That's not to say they dominated this game. Although the Wild certainly had parts of this game yeah. where they looked like the better team. I think the Flyers looked like the better team more often in this game. And that's what you want to see. That's, I would, while they scored the goals and they did so on like a couple of really good chances. There's one, the short side goal. Like, all right, what are you going to do? It's a weird angle. Sometimes Hart gives those up. Like, I didn't think the Flyers surrendered a ton of chances after the first period. I agree they were with that. bleeding chances at one point in the first period. It was like, oh, they're going to get run out here. And then all yeah. of a sudden it's 3-1. But I will say this kind of looked like a uh, almost a classic Flyers against Flurry game. Mm. Like we're down 3-1. It ain't over yeah. there. Right? <laughs> but like, minus like the 12 fights and Scott Hartnell, you know, spearing somebody, like Matt Cook pulling someone's hair. Peter Lavella standing yeah, up on the bench the yelling at the head getting in brawls. <laughs> minus all that stuff. It kind of was like a classic Flyers versus Flurry game. And they needed this one, I feel like. The offense needed it. The power play need, needed it. I talked about they hadn't won consecutive games. They haven't scored four goals since 12-28 at Vancouver. Wow. That was seven games in a row. Uh, they haven't scored. They scored three or fewer. And they only scored four twice in the previous 12. That Detroit ridiculous fake game that they played right before the break. Yeah. And then Vancouver right after the break. And that was it. They finally netted 12. Now it took almost 65 full minutes to do it. But they finally netted four goals. It seems like the offense is starting to come around a little bit, and I guess we need to start with the power play. Yeah, before we get into that, though, I want to say, because you talked about how this game was important for them. I think this game was important for them for another reason. Again, we're talking about the Flyers as a team that are in the playoff mix. They're trying to make a run here. They are probably going to lose tomorrow. Because they're going up against Winnipeg. They've won eight straight. They're on the road. Second game of a back-to-back. Winnipeg did not play tonight. This is a schedule loss against maybe the hottest team in like, hockey tomorrow night. You needed to win this one. Because you're probably not... like if they, if they steal tomorrow night's game, that's really exciting because they shouldn't win tomorrow. Tonight is the game you have to win because you don't want to lose back-to-back games. No, absolutely. And Winnipeg is... They've been awesome this year. Yeah. Uh, they've been missing Kyle Connor. Haven't missed a beat. Yeah. They've been really, really freaking good. And I think uh, before we get to the power play, we will get to that. I want to get to... The offense is starting to look like maybe it's coming around a little bit. They're creating chances. They finally scored four. We said, you know, the other night, you know, they hit nine posts. They could have scored seven goals. Like, it just never ended. Uh, Someone who's been really starting to turn it back up, and he finally gets uh, gets on the score sheet tonight is Tyson Forster. Thankfully. That's a big part of this offense coming around because he's not on the top line anymore. But – he is somebody you're counting on for some offense. Yeah. He's had a few assists recently, but this dude came up and played, what, seven games and scored three goals. You were like, okay, kind of yeah. kind of penciling him in for at least like maybe 18 or something this year. Hasn't been the case, minus that one little stretch where he scored like, what, three goals in five games or something. But Yeah, you thought he was um, coming around offensively, and then he went right back to being cold they again. They really needed him to come around, and he's been strong the last few. I, I think that's the key for this is that – this didn't come out of nowhere. I actually, I went back today, finally got a chance to watch the entire Pittsburgh game and give it my full focus when there wasn't a blockbuster trade happening <laughs> at that moment. Um, I thought he had some really good shifts in the Pittsburgh game. The team didn't play well. I thought Forrester had some really good shifts where he he popped. And then against Montreal, I thought he really started popping. Yeah. He looked quicker. We talked about it in the postgame show. He just looked more like the guy from a couple months ago that we were all excited about. And then tonight, I thought he was popping throughout the game, even before he scored literally about and I tweeted this out but about four minutes before he scored I turned to Bill we're watching the game in the studio and I said this is when the Flyers are down three to one and I basically said to Bill even if they don't win I really want to see one of the guys that's struggling get a goal to at least get something positive out of this and then four minutes later Tyson Forrester scores and it's like great they got that and then they win the game anyway it was it was very much as if you made that happen with your mind which leads me to say fucking do that more often maybe <laughs> uh, no but I, I thought he early in this game he had a few scoring chances he won a few battles down low there weren't a ton of guys making things happen on the four check tonight Hathaway and he I thought were some of those guys uh, but it's just nice to see because the uh, the storyline going into this game Unfortunately, the timing of this, like the timing of the Gauthier trade and everything like that's phenomenal. Uh, But 
the timing of Bobby Brink getting sat in his hometown uh, to yeah. go along with this. Like, that is the story coming into the game. They talked about it on NHL Network. It was all over Twitter. Right. Pictures of his friends and family in Bobby Brink jerseys. Ouch. Not a great <laughs> look. And you, it's, it's a torts thing. Though. Yeah. And I you think look, we can say it's a torts thing it, now. It must be at this point. Uh, but like, you look at some of the other candidates. Like, all right, Bobby Brink hasn't been good. And his ice time has been going down yep. the last few games. Agreed. Uh, hasn't it doesn't have a point in the five games leading up to this one so it's like yeah he hasn't been very good but you just go mm, this was something that kind of hurt the locker room last year and now you've done it a couple of times again uh I, th- not the best look but Forster was one of those candidates to come out and he rewards you for not taking him out of the line yeah and I look I do think that John Tortorella thinks higher of Tyson Forster than Bobby Brink yes in, in part because Tortorella has his biases, but in part because Tyson Forrester is a really, really good defensive player. He's a really, really good detail guy in a way that Bobby Brink really isn't at this stage of his career. Bobby Brink right now is a guy who produces offense. He's a really good playmaker. He sees the ice really well, but he is not a guy that is going to win you a ton of battles along the boards, who's going to you know create a ton of turnovers in the neutral zone, kill plays. Tyson Forrester is a guy that John Tortorella can trust to do those things. His underlying numbers this year, some of the best in the league. Going into, Honestly, going into this game, I, I, I'm good friends with the, uh, the Evolving Wild Twins uh, who run that website, and they're diehard Wild fans. That's where they get the name of the thing. And on their website, based on their metrics, Tyson Forrester right now is the grades out as the best even strength defensive forward in hockey. Now, do I think Tyson Forrester is actually the best even strength defensive forward in hockey no but it speaks to how well he's done this year defensively in the role he's been in and that in my mind is why he's not coming out of the lineup also as we just talked about he was showing signs of coming out of it. yes this week you were seeing the signs of tyson forrester maybe you know and i talked about it in our post game show this is a kid who's never played an nhl season maybe for a couple weeks his legs were just heavy you know, he just was was getting used to the fact that, oh, man, this is what I have to deal with at the NHL level. And he gets tired. Maybe now the energy is coming back because it just looks like he has more jump now. And it was really nice to see him get rewarded with a goal in this game, because I think for the past couple games, he'd really been banging on the door. And I always like to see when guys who look, it's nice to see whenever a guy's struggling to score. But I especially like it when that guy has been close a bunch of times because it feels even more earned than just, oh, you got a good bounce off your off your pad. No, this was something where Forrester built to this and then it culminated in him breaking his own streak. And it's good to see just because he needed it. Yeah. Like, he just really yeah. needed to put one in. Listen, he can be responsible defensively all he wants. He can win all the board battles in the world. Those players are important. If Tyson Forrester isn't a guy who can score at least 20 for you, like... Mm, that's not a great first round pick it's a disappointment it's definitely a disappointment if he can't take advantage of the fact that he has a legitimately really good shot like that's why he was a first round pick because he had a plus shot and we haven't seen that enough i think over time we are going to see it more i think he will develop into a legitimate nhl goal scorer i just think it might not happen as quickly as fans maybe want it to but you see goals like tonight and you remember that he does have that ability Look, I'm not comparing him to this guy. Their skill sets are very different. But I will say we had a lot of these conversations about Travis Konechny in his rookie year. We did. On the previous incarnation of the show, Travis Konechny ultimately learned how to take advantage of his shot at the NHL level. I believe that Tyson Forrester has the tools to score at the NHL level. He just has to learn how to do it. He's not quite there yet, but he's learning. And that's what this year is about for him, learning. All right, I want to, in this uh, in this segment, I want to just get to the... The lineup overall and this choice to go 11 and 7. Um, right now, they're in this weird numbers crunch, right? Where they have you know eight healthy defensemen, seven of whom are all kind of part of this thing for different reasons. Yep. Like, is it do I think Sean Walker and Nick Seal are going to be part of the future? I don't, but also, like, you start benching them, it's like, well. Who's trading Trade for guys? Yeah. Who's giving you anything it's for important. guys? That, no, it's important. Yeah, like so they need to play too. Zmula, yeah. you're bringing along. You see tonight, he ends up getting the uh, the assist. Yeah, like he's been the power play goals in four straight. That's uh, 
I can't tell you the last time that happened. Yeah. Like things are going well for pretty much Z- all the Zamula deserves yeah. to stay in line. I think the easy decision would be just to bench yeah. Zamula and solve this problem, but they can't bench him because he's playing too well and he's showing like they've been trying to squeeze this out of him all year. It's finally maybe starting to click for him and you can't bench a guy when it's finally starting to click because you don't want to lose that momentum. So he's got to stay in the lineup so they're stuck. They got to keep these seven. I'm sure they don't want to, but they kind of have to and then it becomes, okay, well, who sits? It's a tough spot. It's a tough spot, but in a back-to-back situation, it is one, like, is it the end of the world if Sealer doesn't play one game? Is it the end of the That's world fair. if Zamula doesn't play one game? That's a fair point. You're in the front end of a back-to-back. You have to go to Winnipeg now tomorrow. And one of your 11 forwards again was Nick Delorier. Now, I made the case on Twitter before the game. If you're going to play him ever, yes, it's against, and you saw it, like he fought, they've played Minnesota twice. He's fought Pat Maroon twice this season. Like last year when they went to Minnesota, there were four fights in the first half of the game. You might just need it. Uh, Minnesota's like fourth in the league in penalty minutes. It's There were like no penalties tonight till overtime, yeah. but this is a team that you want to play Delorier against. And, that and, and, said, you, and you can make the argument too, which probably the Flyers would, is that if Delorie isn't in the lineup, maybe this game plays out a different way because they feel yes. like they can take liberties with the young players in a way they didn't with it's, Delorie on the ice. Just say that that's what the Flyers would say. No, it's one of those can't prove a negative. Exactly. Like their exactly. argument is, oh, there would have been six fights tonight. Travis Konechny would have had his orbital broken. Yeah. Like, would that have happened? There's no way to say no. Exactly. So I get it. However... You need to dress 12 forwards when Nick Delorier is in the lineup. Nick Delorier mm. played seven shifts tonight. His total wow. time on ice was 4.56. Yeah. He spent That's tough. four more seconds in the penalty box for his fighting major than he did on the ice. I, yeah, it's a good point. You went with 10 forwards in the front end of a back-to-back. Yeah. It's going to be a real tough game tomorrow no matter what the lineup is and no matter what the lineup was tonight. You've now made it harder again. Yeah. Now the team keeps the team keeps answering the bell in these situations. They keep showing you like we're resilient, we're tough, we're a John Tortorella team, we're built to do this. But you're gonna run out of gas at some point. Like you know, at certain point you're just like I'm tired, and we saw a lot of it on that Disney on Ice trip and leading up to it, where the team just started to kind of look like they were tired. I don't want to use the word desperate because it's not like, oh, my God, the season's going to end if they don't make a trade. But let's talk about a lay, like a tear down from desperate. Do they need to make a trade and figure out this numbers crunch, especially with Noah Cates like pending? I mean, from our perspective, probably that would that would certainly solve everything. That said... If you're talking about needing to make a trade, I worry about putting yourself in a position where you don't get maximum value because you rush to do a trade rather than wait for the market to develop the closer it gets to the trade deadline. I worry about that because in the end, asset management is going to be a big part of whether this rebuild works. And if you can get a second round pick for Nick Sealer if you wait a month versus a fourth round pick now, that's worth doing because having that that extra value pick, it is important if you're trying to make this into a long-term sustainable contender. That said, they're in a tough spot right now. I do wonder if, and, and this is always the wild card with hockey, you're not hoping for someone to get hurt, but you're acknowledging that it's hockey, someone gets hurt. There's a thing of like, well, if we rush to trade Nick Sealer and then in the very next game, Cam York breaks his leg, then suddenly we're wishing we didn't trade Nick Sealer. I'm sure Anaheim has no regrets. They acquired Cutter Gauthier. The dude's probably going to be a really good goal, goal scorer, if nothing else, in this league. That said, they traded their top defenseman, Jamie Drysdale, yeah. and a couple hours later, Minchikov goes down and he's out for six to eight weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right, now you're down two defense. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you traded for a guy who ain't going to be here till at least April. You know, <laughs> like you, you, there's no replacement in the lineup. Now they have a bunch of defensemen. They have a bunch of young, good defensemen. They'll be okay. But it's just those situations seem to always happen. Like there's not a doubt in my mind. They trade Nick Sealer. It's like, yeah, Cam York took a puck to the mouth. He's going to be out four games. Exactly. Like, that's definitely Th- that's gonna just happen. hockey. So while I agree that, yes, 
trading someone right now would solve the problem in the immediate short term and part of you wants to be like yeah make a trade we got it we got to fix this this 11 7 it's not going to work especially when noah cates is back which i think is going to happen sometime next week so it's coming he's on the trip though he's on he's on the trip what i was told and i reported this on twitter what i was told today was that it's a long shot he's going to play on this trip but the expectation, the hope, is that he will be back at some point next week, probably on those games, those those home games later on in the week, I think is probably what they're targeting. That's not that far away. So they're going to have to figure this out. Now, again, maybe this problem solves itself. Maybe somebody gets hurt. You never know. If it doesn't, though, and Noah Cates comes back, yeah, you're in a tough spot because, look— I think they've shown their hand that Nick Delore is no longer an every night guy, which I think this is you pointed it out. And I completely agree. If new, if Nick Delore is on your roster and he doesn't play against the wild, then you might as well wave. just wave him. Yeah. Like there's no point. Then you've acknowledged that there's no point to having him. He's kind of got to play in this game. If he's on your team, I think more often than not, Nick Delore will probably sit now because of the logjam they have. The thing is, is that they still need to make one more tough decision in addition to that if they want to get back either to 12-6 to be only going with six defensemen or if they want to stick with 11-7, just bringing Delorier out when Cates is back, that ain't going to fly. No. One other guy's got to sit, and that's going to be tough. We're looking forward to Noah Cates' return. Maybe you're looking forward to it so much. You know, he's probably going to come back in those home games next week. You want to go check it out. And I'll tell you, I've been talking with my friends, starting to get a little pumped up for that outdoor game uh, up at MetLife. I think I'm going. I think I'm going to pull the trigger. <laughs> if you're thinking, ah, I, I want to go too. It's Flyers Devils outside. How am I going to miss it? Do it with game time, baby, because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference another great feature at game time it's the uh, seat view app maybe you want to go up to that outdoor yeah. game and it's like i don't know what the hell these seats are going to be it's in the middle of metlife never been to metlife certainly, certainly not for hockey never <laughs> seen a hockey game there guess what you get a good look at it right from the app so snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code phly for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code phly for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed so i do want to talk now that we I, there's a lot more about this game i want to talk about because it was an exciting game there's a lot of players i want to highlight on this game but i do now that we've talked enough about what happened we've done our immediate reactions i do want to talk about this brink thing because yes, brink is what I, we- I i do want to discuss whether we are okay with this because no. not not in terms of the fact of him getting scratched i think we all are in agreement that he was a legitimate candidate to take a seat John Turrell has made it clear over the course of the season that he does not believe Bobby Brink in particular needs to play every night in his rookie season, that he can benefit from sitting out for a few games and maybe getting a little bit more motivation to prove the coach wrong, maybe getting a chance to watch from up top and get a little extra work with with the coaching staff on some things they're trying to have him improve upon. And I think we all agree that that's fine to do it in Minnesota. After having already done this to Travis Sanheim last year, to Morgan Frost last year, what are, like, are we okay? And this is acknowledging that they are in a tough spot with the lineup. I don't think this was purely done out of spite. I think in an ideal world, Bobby Brink plays in this game if they don't have seven defensemen that are all playing well and all need to play. But there were still other guys that they could have taken out if they wanted to, like, It always ticks me off when coaches do the, like, you see this a lot when a guy gets sent down and 
like a, like a, a prospect who people are excited about. And you interview the coach after he got sent down and the coach is like, well, he's not playing. I'm not sure what we could do. We had to send him down. It's like, you're the coach. You could have played We're him. We're all looking for the guy who did exactly. this every time. And there was a little bit of that with Brink where he basically said, and I, I'm obviously wasn't there for this, but he said after the pregame skate that, you know, I would have loved to have had Bobby Brink played in front of his family, but that's just the way it went. And it's like, well, you could have. No, it wasn't. You could have you played <laughs> There him. wasn't some external <laughs> force creating this like yes uh like bobby brink like i said earlier no points in his last five uh in the first 32 games he played this year he averaged over 15 minutes a game in the last four he's played 10 47 a game including two games under 10 minutes so it's been winding down like this has been coming we and and, and we all have eyes we can all see that he's he hasn't been like when i talk about noticeable guys it's a phrase we use a lot like forster leading up to tonight he hasn't scored, but when he's out there, I'm like, oh, yeah, Tyson Forster's on the ice. That has not been the case so much with Bobby Brink lately, and when it is, it's not for a great reason sometimes. It's like, ooh, probably need to keep your feet there, Bobby. Yeah. Maybe get through that little check, like whatever it might be. It hasn't been going great, and we can, like I said with Delorier, this is a game where he's going to be in. Is it the end of the world if Nick Sealer doesn't play tonight? No, but it's Nick Sealer in the game against the team that fights. He fights too. Yeah. So like, okay, Rasmus versus Stalinen. Well, it's a physical team. We need the big guy. Like, There's a bunch of excuses for it. And I don't think you should... Like, I don't think you should make decisions based on outside perception. But what happened this week is a big deal with Cutter Goche. As much as I'm Team Drysdale, he wants to be here, and we love a guy who wants to be here... Um, there's every quote tweet that I saw tonight for, it was like the NHL network talking about this. And it was like, Oh, I wonder why Cutter didn't want to go there. Sounds like a, <laughs> sounds like we're, a blast we're, playing we're, for, John, really for John that. Tortorella. Like fair. I mean, you set yourself up for it. You, the timing of this on top of that, it's like, yeah, why couldn't he just have sat out last game? Why it's a back to back. Why couldn't he sit out in Winnipeg? Why tonight when, you know, that we saw shots of like, a dozen or so yeah. people in Brink jerseys during warmups, clearly his friends and family or maybe college teammates, whatever. I, it just seems a little bit on the shitty side. In like grand scheme, it's one game. Don't really care. But ah, this is something that hurt the locker room last year. I, I, I think for me, like you talked about the perception, you talked about, you know, on NHL network, they're joking about Cutter Gautier and whatnot. John Tortorella gives negative shits about that stuff. He doesn't care, and he's right not to care. That's all noise in the grand scheme of things, and especially to someone like John Tortorella, who doesn't like the media in the first place. So he doesn't care about that. What is important and what is potentially important, and you hinted at it, is the impact on the locker room. I don't think this is quite to the degree of the Sandheim thing. And my reason is, is that there's a difference between sitting a young player who's still trying to make his way, who hasn't necessarily earned his stripes, and sitting a veteran in Travis Sanheim. And the perception is that, you know, like he's earned better treatment than to get a text message in the morning from the coach when he's got his whole family and friends group at going to this game saying, by the way, Travis, you're sitting tough shit. Like this was different. This was much more comparable to the Morgan Frost one where Morgan Frost was sat when his team played, when the Flyers played in in Toronto and near the beginning of the season. It's not great. I do wonder if there's almost an element of Tortorella feels like he has to remind his players that he's kind of an asshole once in a while. It's like, <laughs> like as shitty as that we, sounds. We see the choo-choo train video in practice today and everyone's having a great time. And it's like, oh, you guys are having fun, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I... Maybe not remind them that he's an asshole, but yeah, that's probably part of it. He does. This dude is, listen, as I believe it is sincere, but he's also playing a fucking character. Like, he buys into the character. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, and I, I love that. Um, I do wonder, though, now that we've seen this, like, happen three times, like, consistently we've seen this happen, is this almost a carrot? Like, Oh, you want the homecoming game? You better show some. You better show me something prior to that. Otherwise, you're not going to get your moment. I mean, 
Maybe. I, I can tell you this. I imagine that Flyers players are no longer telling all their family and friends, like, hey, I'm going to be home. Come to this game. It's like, well, you know, like, maybe be right. You come to me. Maybe keep an eye on StubHub. <laughs> Just don't be sure I'm going to be in that game. Because based on past precedent, I might not be. That's like, do you think it might be purposeful? Like, do you think he knows it's his game and he goes, that's why I'm doing it? So, yes and no. I, I do think that... Like, like he's earned like, to sit like, down at some point yes. and he chose this game on purpose. I do think that this one, and maybe I'm being naive here, maybe I'm giving Tortorella too much credit. I do think this one probably was harder for him to do than others. I don't think this one was necessarily meant to to spite Brink and to fuel Brink the same way that I think he thought he was trying to fuel Sanheim and probably trying to fuel Frost because this one really was a tough spot. We talked about why he wanted to get to Laurier in. Now, you can disagree with that whole thought process, but I can tell you, John Tortorella very much believes that Nick Delorier needs to be in against a team like Minnesota. So Nick Delorier is coming in. You have seven defensemen that are all playing well. You don't want to sit Zamula because he's finally getting something going on the power play. It's carrying over to some good plays at even strength. You don't want to sit him. You don't want to sit Sealer or Walker because of the trade thing and because, quite frankly, they're both playing well. Neither of them deserve to sit either. So then you look at the forwards. Okay, who sits? Paling? Maybe. But the thing is, is that with Kate's out, if you sit Paling, that means you only have three centers. And do you really want to go an entire game with only three centers, one of whom, Scott Lawton, Ain't even really a center. So, okay, maybe you don't sit Paling. Hathaway, maybe. I'm not saying it's the end of the world to sit Hathaway, but again, you're playing Minnesota, and you're thinking this is going to be a big bruising game. I thought Hathaway actually was really effective in this game, especially on the forecheck. So, all right, you're not sitting Hathaway. Do you sit Lawton? I mean, maybe. Lawton made some good plays in this game, though. That's, so he, he made, I thought, he wasn't good up until the assist. Yeah. And then, but like... I don't know, it's Scott Lawton. You kind of always just go like, well, he's like the he's, coach's yeah, boy. But th I, that will always, like, if you're looking to send a message to everyone, like, the Lawton scratch is the one that, like, that's the break but I, glass But I don't think me. he wanted to send a message to the team. I think he wanted to send a message to Brink. So really, if you look at the lineup, it comes down to, if you're going to get Delorier in and you're not going to remove a um, you know, one of the seven defensemen, I think it comes down to two guys. It comes down to Brink and Frost. And I honestly believe that Morgan Frost has earned himself a month of no scratches by going into Tortorella's office and yelling at him. You can you can laugh at it. You can say that it's a weird way to coach, but this is the coach we have. This is the coach we're dealing with. It's and John Tortorella, I think he believes that if he were to sit Morgan Frost that soon after they may have had a breakthrough because he finally got Morgan Frost to yell back at him, that that would be detrimental to this whole thing. So Frost ain't sit. So Tortorella looks at the situation and is like, I don't really want to scratch Bobby because I know this is tough, but I don't know what other choice I have. Whereas I think like the Sanheim one, he will swear that that was like, oh, I didn't think of that. No, he, there's no way he didn't realize. Like that, that was a, I'm pissed at you and you don't deserve to be in this game. So screw you, dude. I think this was a little bit different in that. Like, I don't think, maybe I'm being naive. I don't think... Tortorella relished this scratch. I just think he looked at the situation and decided it was his only play. So now back end of a back-to-back, -back, do they have to do it again tomorrow? I think Delorier sits and I think Brink comes back in. Man, like that's, I realize again, I realized the situation because I made the point earlier when people were complaining about it, that D'Lo has to be in there for this game. But it, it's a tough look. Go, go twelve six tonight and go eleven seven tomorrow. Like now you're in a you're in a you're in a spot now. You just played almost sixty four minutes of hockey. Um, the, the, here's the can thing: can you go eleven seven back to back? But here's the thing: and look, it was a sure it was a tough conversation. I hope he had the conversation with with Bobby Brink to explain the situation. I'm sure it was tough, and I'm sure Bobby Brink is hurting and he's bummed, and he might be pissed at John Tortorella. And if he is. You know what? He has every right to be. But you mentioned, couldn't they have gone 12-6 in this game? Here's the flip side of that. Let's say John Tortorella. He, look, everybody in that locker room knows that Igor Zamul is playing well, that he is, he's finally having a breakthrough. 
Can John Tortorella go to Igor Zamula and say, Z, we know you're playing well, but Bobby really needs to play in front of his family? Or can you go to Nick Sealer and be like, Nick, I know you're also from Minnesota and you're also playing really well, but you got to sit because Bobby's got his buddies here. I don't know if you can actually say that to a player and keep locker room like th that has a negative impact also. You know what I mean? It's a very fair point. I did not put together the Sealer Minnesota thing before because yeah. he is he wasn't like the clear seven tonight. It's not like he played the you know five minutes that Mark Stahl plays, but among the defensemen, thirteen minutes, fourteen yeah, he, seconds. He was used the least. He played the fewest minutes. Ristolainen and was ahead of him by over a minute. Zamula ahead of him by a minute and a half. So I, I get it. I just. I don't love I it. I wish there was yeah. a way to I, avoid it, and we yeah. always make the joke. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, the the fucking hot dog car from. I think you should leave. Like, but in this situation, it's a tough look. But he might have been right. Or, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's excusable. I, I think that's the best way to put it. I think that's the best way to put it. It's excusable it. to me. I'm against it, but it's excusable. Yeah, and I. It does suck, though. It sucks. I feel it I feel sucks. bad for Brink. I feel bad that you had that line of Brink jerseys at, in warm-ups. And, I mean, I hope they all knew by then that he wasn't playing. God, it would suck if they, they were like, where's Bobby? Why isn't he out? <laughs> that would be so, would, so like, cringe. I would have, like, after the game two days ago, could you have told him, like, I know you're going home. Like, on the plane ride there. I would hope that he told him on the plane ride like, there. Gave him the heads up. Uh, like, this wasn't a this morning thing, yeah, right? Like, the way it was with Sanheim. I, where, that, that was not asked to Tortorella. Yeah. If I was on this trip, I would have asked him because that would be my first thought is, how did you communicate this to Bobby? Because I remember how badly he communicated it to Sanheim. Like, you texted him that. Like, Sanheim basically wakes up to a text yeah. like, hey, you're not playing. Like, yeah. Oh, that sucks. That was real bad. <laughs> like I really, <laughs> really did not handle that one well. At some point between like the end of last game where he did not play a ton, and then like the plane ride, there was some sort of communication. I guess that could I would, save it. I would it. hope. Well, we won't know, I guess, until someone talks to Bobby Brink. Though. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. what it's going to come down to. Uh, before we go any further, I want to tell you about Bagels and Company, the uh, best Brooklyn style bagels made right here with Philly Love. First of all, the first thing you got to know about Bagels & Co., huge bagels. They are very large. Biggest bagels in Philly, uh, very large, hence the Brooklyn slash New Jersey style. I'd really much rather call them New Jersey style. I realize we're talking about North Jersey in this situation, but like... Screw Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> and not only do they have huge bagels themselves, but the, the variety, gigantic, usually about 15 to 20 different types of bagels daily. Uh, seasonal selections. You saw me live from uh, from Reading Terminal eat a Christmas red and green bagel. Uh, so not only do they have the best selection of bagels, but also cream cheeses, 30 different flag flavors of cream cheeses. Uh, obviously, you know, you're all your all your staples plus some sports-themed ones. You know, you Philly uh, Eagles green, maybe. You want to have want to have a little tailgate, maybe Ooh. a playoff party coming up. Get a tray of bagels from Bagels & Co. Get some of their yeah, themed bagels. Better get them soon because the playoff run might not last too Listen, long. <laughs> it's Monday. Maybe you, can't make, uh, maybe you can't make the watch party. I'll mention that later when I'm supposed to. But if you can't do that, maybe you want to have your own little party. Bagels, that's a little bit different. Yeah. You can get that green spread for the oh, birds. Yeah. And not only... Huge selection of bagels, huge selection of big bagels, huge selection of cream cheeses. It's affordable. You get a lot of food for cheap and, you know, inflation, man. You know how that is. The only thing inflated is the size of these freaking bagels. So get them uh, for the best New Jersey-style bagels made right here in Philly. Head to thebagelsandco.com slash store-locator to find the closest bagels and company near you. That's thebagelsandco.com slash store-locator. Locator. Right, where do we want to go from here, Charlie? Because I think we've taken care of the most important stuff. I, I, there's a few guys I want to talk about. Okay. Um, first guy I want to talk about, I want to talk about the fact that he is really getting going. Owen Tippett. He he seems like he's finding that top gear that we've been waiting to see pretty much from him all season long. Yeah, he um, he's starting to look like that guy. I know so much is made of you know, the end of, you know, the last 55 games or whatever for Morgan Frost. But in that second half of the season last year, Owen Tippett went from looking like, oh, he could be like a nice power play weapon who can shoot a little bit to 
yo, this guy takes over games. Yeah. Like, what is his ceiling really? Like, he's a special player almost. He's starting to look like that again, not just with the scoring. Obviously, the scoring uh, goals in three straight now. He's been really good. Gets the game tying goal tonight. Had a bunch of chances. Uh the takeover shifts yes. and take over a period. The he's got three shifts in ten minutes, and you're like the best player on the ice in this half of the period has been Owen Tippett by yeah. far. And we saw it in overtime. We saw it at the end of overtime last game. He didn't score, but Jesus Christ, that was ridiculous. Him getting down the ice the <laughs> way he did. The shot tonight to score. He has been really freaking good, and that's a very good sign. Yeah, I just I love the uh, the goal he scored tonight just because not only because it tied the game, it was a clutch goal, but the fact that it wasn't even a one-timer. He gets the puck, he skates forward, he picks his spot and, and just beats Flurry yeah. clean. And that is when Owen Tippett is 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 rolling. I like to see when he's driving the net. I like to see when he's using that power forward side of his game, but the fact of the matter is is that the bread and butter of Owen Tippett's game is always going to be his shot. It's always going to be his ability to get a lot of shots and then finish on those shots. And that's been the big disappointment this year is that he's been shooting more. And I generally think that's a good thing. I think if a guy is creating shots for himself, which Tippett has been doing, that is a good thing. And that is real progress in terms of his development. The problem is that he just wasn't scoring on a lot of them because he was missing the net a ton. And then when he was hitting the net, he was just hitting the goalie. Now yes. it looks like he's he's picking his spots. He's got confidence. He's skating as well as he skated all year. They talked about it on the broadcast that he now has the highest peak max speed of any player in hockey this year <laughs> per the NHL edge tracking statistics, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, like me and JP were sitting there watching that the other night and it was like, Watching the clock tick down, and I'm like, I know he's fast, but the amount of space yeah. he has to go to get to the net, and there's like three seconds left on the clock. <laughs> and he gets there. And he, like, he got there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was some of the best stuff I've ever seen. This dude, I don't know if he's, uh, I doubt now at this age, he's going to take the jump to like perennial all star. But this guy's tools are that of, you talk about it all the time, the high-variance players in your middle six. Yeah. Like, if you have that second or third-line right winger, it's like, does he dominate every night? No, because if he did, he'd be a top-line player, and you couldn't afford him because you, already <laughs> ha you yeah. hopefully already have a top-line, and like, you can't afford to pay that many guys. But if he's in that middle class of... Listen, if Konechny just doesn't have it tonight, uh, he could go off for two. Uh, like That seems to be the kind of guy he is, and they desperately need someone like that. He's been, uh, he's been everything for them recently. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what kind of player he ultimately turns into when this thing really gets rolling and they have everyone kind of slotted where they're supposed to be. But right now, yeah, Couturier's awesome. Konechny's awesome. Farabee's awesome. Outside of them and Drysdale, he's been their best player a couple of weeks. I'm still excited to see what he ultimately becomes because I don't think we've seen the best of Owen Tippett yet. I'm I'm excited to see how he develops. He's a guy where I know there's there some talk on social about like, well, what if you trade him? He's up for a new contract. Is he going to ask for too much? I don't know. I'm I'm invested in Owen Tippett. I want to see what this guy's career path is, and I want the Flyers to be the ones who discover and hopefully benefit from him taking an even further leap in the future. I talked about this on Twitter. I actually think, and we'll see the way the second half goes, because if these three games are any indication, maybe Owen Tippett is, is ready to explode in the second half. But I don't think it's the worst thing if Owen Tippett just finishes this year with like, a perfectly acceptable 30-goal season because I think there's another gear for him to find, and I wouldn't mind the Flyers locking him up to a five-, six-year contract before he finds that gear. No, it could be the the current Travis Konechny contract where it was like, all right, yeah, he's probably worth that, and then it became, this dude's a fucking star. Yeah. like and, Or prior to that, Wayne Simmons or Sean, Sean Couturier, Couturier. Yeah. where you made those investments— and they were good at the time. And then a couple of years later, you're like, these are the most underpaid players in hockey. Yeah. Like outside of anyone, like a star on an ELC, these guys are the most underpaid guy, players in hockey. Maybe you can get him kind of locked up in uh, in that situation. Um, I No, this is what I wanted to ask you. I was vamping until I remembered <laughs> what the hell the question was. Well done. 
the idea of trading him, I get. Like, you need to sign him. And it's like, well, how many middle-class guys can you have? It's a they, fair point. They have a lot that yeah. might come into that, like, five to seven mil range um, without now Cutter Gauthier. Like, you, you look at Forster, you look at what you think uh, Gauthier was going to be, and you look at Tippett and go, these are kind of repetitive players. Yeah. Now, now you don't now have you Cutter don't have and Forster. Point. Like, if Forster had 22 goals right now, it'd be like, oh, well, who cares? He doesn't. He rarely scores. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not going to later in his career, but, like, until he starts scoring, you can't be like, oh, well, he's going to score, so we can... Is it more imperative that they keep Owen Tippett now because Cutter ain't coming? It's a good point. I mean, to me, it was imperative to keep Tippett regardless. Okay. But I do think that if there was any concern that it might he might be have a redundant skill set, now that Gauthier is no longer in the organization, that concern is lessened even further. I just think you, you compared him to Forrester. I just think Tippett and Forrester, while both of them project to be goal scorers, and that be a lot of the way they generate their value, they're such different players. Like, Tippett is an elite skater. Tyson Forrester, at the NHL level, is probably a below-average skater. Owen Tippett is a score-off-the-rush speed type of player. That's how he gets his goals. Whereas Tyson Forrester is more like, I mean— Oscar Lindblom on steroids? I was going to say, maybe not Lindblom. I'm trying to think of a trying to think of a comp, but just like cycle, 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 yeah. finally get one out in front, bang. Exactly. Like that's more where his shot's yeah, going to come he's in. He's sitting there waiting yeah. for somebody to get him the puck, and then boom, he lets, lets that that's, shot go. And that's how he gets his goals. So I don't think stylistically they're redundant at all because – Yes, you know, you don't want to have too many goal scorers. You want to have playmakers, but you also want to have different kinds of goal scorers. And I think they are two different types of goal scorers. And like Tippett is big, but I wouldn't call him yet a physical player. I no. think he can get there. And he that's shows like, it in flashes, that's, that's but not consistently. Next, that's the next element of his game. Yeah. Like to, uh, you're going to be a little more consistent. You know how you do it? Knocking people off the puck and then taking it on the rush, creating the rush that way. But, uh, I'm glad you pointed out the difference there because while, yeah, they're both goal scorers, they have nice shots. They are, there's a reason one went 10 and the other went in the 20s, like, and it's that skating. Yeah. There is a big difference Absolutely. there. Um, I'm excited to talk about Farabee, but we got to do Drysdale. We got to do Drysdale. I mean, I started the show, my favorite part of the game. It was not the fight. It wasn't even the game-winning goal. It was I'm almost positive TK yelling, just skate it. Like, <laughs> after two games, it's they, very, they know. They after know. two games, it's like, dude, you're a breakout. <laughs> you yourself, like you are, you are like Eric. Uh, I don't want to compare anyone to Eric Carlson. He's one of my favorite players of the generation. But like the one man breakout here is like, oh, Drysdale has the puck on his stick. So uh, go. <laughs> Everyone just make sure you're on side. Like <laughs> Drysdale has the puck be on side. Uh, he was, he made a mistake in overtime with that turnover high at the uh, at the point yeah also made up for it with an incredible back that check. was the big thing i remember like when he when he makes that mistake and my heart just dropped uh, it's like yep. oh god Here like go. everyone's so excited about this guy on him. And, and then he's gonna do the he's gonna make the mistake that leads to the loss and yes. then everyone's gonna be like this guy sucks that's why they traded him that's yep. why i gave 100%. up 100 percent. the fact that he came back and I know Minnesota was pissed off. They felt like this should have been a penalty. Look, I, when might, I saw the replay. I, don't, I think it was clean. I might be wearing orange colored glasses here. I thought that was a clean play. I think that was all puck. I think he got all puck. He did like push him down. And I didn't see like maybe he swept out his legs and it was a slew foot. But I, it looked clean as hell to me. Like yeah. on the, I, In real time, I was like, oh, shit, they got away with something. And then they showed it. It was like. I think that was all right. Yeah. I think that was all right. He is, um, he had a few more chances again tonight in the, like in the three on three in overtime. He's a weapon just oh, the way yeah. he can skate. This is, again, something we haven't seen since Gostas Baron. Ghost had a lot of tools. And even, like, obviously it's not pre injury. He tore his ACL, but like before the core injury, mm. he was a little more explosive. I would agree with that. He did yeah. not have straight line speed, though. Like, if there was a race to a puck in the corner, if he had a step on a guy, he might not win. Yeah, he, true. he was elusive, but not straight line speed. Drysdale has all of that and the, oh, I'm beating you. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's, I don't know if he's a special top pair, all-star guy, but fuck if he doesn't look like one right now. He, it's just, he's a fun player yeah. to watch. And it's, it's kind of cool, too. I was, we were talking about this actually in our Discord. 
join, become a diehard member, get access to our Discord. We're talking about this in this in Discord today, um, on the PHLY Discord. Basically, that the Flyers are pulling together a lot of legitimately really good skaters. Like you've now you've got you got Drysdale, you've got Konechny, you've got Tippett, you've got Paling, you've got Tuomala coming, and he's gonna be here in the next year or so. Like they have legitimately not their whole lineup they still got some slow guys definitely forrester they got quite the couture isn't as far from a burner like we know this but they have real high quality speed in this lineup and they got another guy coming into amal who's only going to add to that i mean i've compared him people have asked me what do you think to amal could be and like do you think he could be a star like i would say if he hits a ceiling he can be carl Hagelin. carl Hagelin was a darn nice player and he was yeah, a damn good skater he was a really good player <laughs> absolutely i, I I just have to talk about Couturier real uh No, he is not fast. He was never fast. He's never going to be fast. Um, I think if he were to lose a foot, he might still be like a decent 3C. Yeah. That, <laughs> that play he made. Now, the, the Konechny pass to Farabee, obviously through the defender's legs, the great tip by Farabee, that was all crazy. You and I... Like, we're semi-erect over the play <laughs> that Sean Couturier made off the boards to set the whole thing up. Yeah. Cam York gets it up to him off the boards, gets it up. I, I didn't do that on purpose. Uh, but then Couturier, with a complete no-look bank off the boards where you're like, oh, is he trying to get it deep? Is he trying to wrap it around? No, played it perfectly. And it's a good read by Konechny. Yeah. But played it perfectly. This man's understanding of the game that hockey iq we talk about he's albert freaking einstein it's it's unreal like you couldn't even tell as much <laughs> on the normal like the side view the one they show when they showed the reverse view where you're kind of from behind the net and you could tell that like that was a no look bank pass yes he was staring at the boards and just knew where connecting was going to be because it wasn't even like connecting was stopped connecting skated into that pass that was wild. Like the degree, hit him in of, stride, the degree like, of difficulty is insane on that play. That was like Kurt Warner hit you in stride. Like that was really freaking special yeah. there. And yes, I'm because I'm like 90s version because we were and, playing and, Blitz. And not even that. Like <laughs> I, I know that maybe this is a little bit overblown in today's day and age, but like this is a road game where he doesn't necessarily know the way the boards in Minnesota bounce, and he yeah. still pulled it off. No, this wasn't like. Yeah, everything's a little more uniform. It's not like the Joe where it's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're playing pinball yeah, out there exactly. on the back end. But, like, it's still not your home rink, and it's a Western Conference game. It's not like you went up to freaking Newark or something, yeah. like, where you play all the time. Yeah. It's it's a game where you play once a year, maybe. Yeah. That was a hell—I was just very, that very was, impressed it by was that awesome. play. It was just a reminder of, like, how freaking good Sean <laughs> he's so, is. He's so, so good. And just a reminder to all you kids out there, uh, Clearview Ice Hockey coaching legend Johnny Ristel used to tell us, learn your geometry. That's why. Hey, um, now we got to get to Farabee as well. Game winner uh, on the uh, on the tip in front gets to the net. He has the the goal on that great play that we just went on about. This dude has been uh, special for the Flyers this year. And it was, listen, he started to turn it on at the end of last year, started to give me some hope with his last, like, I think 15 games or so. He was really good. Uh, but for the majority of last season was completely invisible coming back from that disc replacement surgery. And it had us all at least a little concerned. Yeah. The concern is gone, no? Oh, oh, it's gone. I mean, I, I am at the point now. He's on with, the first line of a playoff team. I'm at the point now with Joel Farabee where I think he is not, maybe not quite there yet, but damn close if he's not. I think he is a first liner on a cup contender. Really? I, yeah. I, I, I think that he is not a power play driver. I think he needs to be on a power play with someone like Mitchkoff who can do all of the fun stuff and just let Farabee get some secondary assists here and there just by being a guy who's in the right place and bumps the puck over in the right way. I think at when Joel Farabee has reached his ceiling, and I do not think we've seen it yet. I think Joel Farabee is a first line left winger on a cup contender. I think he is that good. I don't think the hockey world is paying clo close enough attention to the leap that Joel Farabee is taking this year. I think he is turning himself into not just a nice player, but a guy who can be a core piece on this team. I I, this is a good time to promote the uh, to promote all the new merch we have. 
great new hats. I'm a big fan of the flat brim. But honestly, I'm just going to tell you, go buy the Mad Russian stuff because it's absolutely sick. Uh, PHLYLocker.com. It's really cool. This is We've been begging for new designs. We got one. Yeah. It's selling well. Look at that hoodie right there. Uh, it's also available in a T-shirt. Now, obviously, the uh, losing Gauthier, that's all right, one of the high-end guys you thought you were going to have. He's not here, but you get Drysdale, so you get a high-end guy, at least on the blue line, uh, to replace him. Mishkov is coming. We're going on about a lot of guys who we think have really high ceilings all of a sudden. Yeah. How far away is it? Like, they have two goalies. They have a bunch of defensemen who can skate and move the puck. The coach's system, everyone seems to be taking to it. Guys are developing Owen Tippett, like obviously Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier here already, established veterans who can help lead this thing. Farabee breaking out, Tippett breaking out. Hopefully Forster keeps it going. Hopefully Brink can work his way back into things. Like they have a lot of pieces. It doesn't seem like they're that far away. If look, if Jamie Drysdale is a top pair defenseman, if he if they can turn him into that, if if the Bradshaw John Tortorella duo can take this guy who clearly has high-end talent and turn him into a legitimately high-end player every night, then I think your defense, aside from, and I agree with you, I think they could use one more big guy. Like a, like a you know a, a six foot four dude who's a clear cut top four defense. They need a badass or two. Yeah, like getting that that if they could find some way to get that Siliev guy from Russia who's six foot seven and can skate, like that would like really finish this thing off. But if Drysdale can be that top pair dude, we're getting pretty close to a point where the defense is close to set with Bonk coming and the way Bonk has looked this year in London. You have York looks like a clear cut top four guy. Sandheim looks like a clear cut top four guy, if not a top pair guy. You're and Andre's playing well in the HL. In my mind, you're getting to the point where you might have, with the exception of maybe one, you might have all the pieces you need on the defense. The big hole and the thing that they're going to need to at some point solve, it's that center spot. Because look, I love Sean Gatari. We were just praising the hell out of him. By the time it's not even that Sean Gatari isn't a one C now, because I think he is. Now I think he is a one C. It's that by the time Mitchkoff gets here, I don't think he will be anymore. And you're gonna need somebody. Like, I don't want this to be a situation where you're playing like with Minnesota. Now, granted, he didn't play tonight because he's hurt, but like they're putting Kirill Kaprizov with Ryan Hartman or Joel Erickson Eck because they don't have a true one C. I don't want that to be Mafe Mitchkoff's lion life. I want him to have a true, exciting, playmaking young 1C. That's what they need to do, I think, now. If Drysdale can be the guy they want him to be, they need to find that center. It needs to be either a guy they draft or a guy they trade for, but they need that center. That, that to me, is the, is the big missing piece left. And uh, if maybe you're missing a piece in your officially licensed gear collection, uh, I, I don't know. Sure. Listen, I'm telling you about FOCO now. FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team of power for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, or anything you need for game day. Plus, they've got accessories, toys, collectibles, and novelty items for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10. That's PHLY10 for 10% off at FOCO today. And ladies and gentlemen, I want to see you all at the beach in Sea Isle this summer wearing those big flyer straw hats. That's yeah. what, That's my hope. I will know <laughs> I've made it when I see like a dozen people in Sea Isle wearing those flyer straw hats this summer. Uh, before we wrap it up with your uh, three stars of the game, Charlie, I just want to touch on Carter Hart. Okay. Um, yeah, it's fair. Both goalies have been good lately. Uh, Carter Hart made some huge say, especially early in this game, first period. I mean... We talk about how they could have beat Montreal down the other night. Uh, they could have been down pretty big in this first period, if not for uh, Carter Hart. That said, these weird angle goals, man. What, I, I know you don't have an answer. I'm I, not a goalie I expert. know you're not a goalie, yeah. but like no one is. Even the goalies don't know. I'm convinced of that. Uh, because like, <laughs> if they did, this shit would stop happening. But uh, is this just like his Achilles heel, these weird angle goals? 
I wonder if and look like that was that was a bad goal. He's got to stop that goal. I, I don't care whether it's the right technique or whatever. Got to stop that goal. Just like throw wait, your stick at. Like, it. like you, I don't care. You just you have to. You have to stop that goal. That cannot get through because in this game you're looking at two goals that probably shouldn't have happened. You have the one that Hart gave up, and then you have the one where the guy like completely like baseball through the puck. <laughs> like like that was insane too. I forgot all. Yeah, so yeah. much happened in this game. I forgot all about that ridiculous play. But getting back to to Hart, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do wonder if there's an element where, and some people have theorized this on Twitter that. He's so technically sound, and there's he's he's such the goalie coach's dream that like these kind of goals happen because to stop these these types of plays, you almost need to have that extra flair, and you can't just do everything by the book. And Hart does everything so by the book that it these are going to happen sometimes because he's technically doing the right thing. It's just that he doesn't have that extra little bit of athleticism or that little bit of distinction deviation from the norm in terms of technique to allow him to make those stops. Now he does it sometimes. I, I was rewatching that penguins game and Bou Brian Boucher. This is one of the things where like Brian Boucher is very much welcome on these, on these broadcasts because there was a play in that Pittsburgh game and Hart was the goalie in that game where Boucher noted that, Hart did not go into the reverse VH because he assumed that Carter Hart recognized that Sidney Crosby was on his backhand oh, yeah. and that, okay, yes, against everyone else going into that spot where the one spot open is like right over the shoulder, that would be a good move against Sidney Crosby with one of the best backhands in NHL history. Sure. Maybe don't do that because he can actually get it there. I, like. Sidney Crosby can backhand the puck harder than I could like side on. <laughs> like I've never seen anything like it. But no, that's that's a really good point. Like to take away if you're going to take away that, it would disrupt what he does best. Yeah. And so much sometimes you might forget. Like so much of goaltending is like make them make. Sometimes you tip your hat. Like yeah, if you're going to yeah. make the ridiculous play, I'm going to take away 99% of your opportunity. And if you score on the 1% that's available to you, what do you, like, you're going to score sometimes. Like mm -hmm. most goalies don't have a shutout every night, you know? So like, I get it. It's just, it is just kind of frustrating when you see like these short side goals. So often these weird angles, it's a little, but they win tonight and uh, both goalies have been good. It's yeah. not a complaint. It's just an observation. Without further ado, it is time for Charlie O'Connor's three stars of the game. Let's lead it off with star number three. So for star number three, I'm going to go with the guy who broke his goalless drought, Tyson Forrester. Not just because he scored, but of course he wouldn't have been the third star if he didn't score. Um, but also because he's the guy who kicks off the comeback. So huge goal. I mean, that that is the that is the game changer. You're down 3-1, Forrester scores, and you can't tell me that the team didn't get a little bit extra amped because it was Forrester who scored. Like, yeah, Travis Konechny scores, like, you're back in the game, that's great, but this is what Travis Konechny does. Tyson Forrester scores that goal after being cold for a while. The guys just have a little bit more oomph because they're just happy for the kid. They like him. It's like, yeah, good job, Tyson. It's like, come on, if Cam Atkinson scored a goal, they'd probably win this in regulation because they're I, so freaking juiced. I, I made a point not to bring up Cam Atkinson until now. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Nice win. I'm not going to do it. Uh, but when we talked about those, uh, when we talked about those candidates to sit instead of Brink, mm, yeah, they've already but gone to that well once. I, I don't think they can they go have. to it again. But Forrester, to me, yeah. number one. He, uh, he's the guy who gets the game-changing goal, not the game-winner, but the game-changer, I yes. would say. And I think even before that, he was having a good game. No, he was showing, he was he was involved in the play, he was involved in chances, he had a couple really good shots, a couple good passes. I think that even without that goal, I would have came away from this game saying he had a good game, yeah. with the fact that he gets the goal, he had a great game, and he's the third star. Breaks the 16-game goalless drought, does Tyson Forster, and is Charlie O'Connor's third star of the game. Let's go! Star number two. Star number two, Owen Tippett. I think he was the most consistently impactful flyer on the ice tonight in terms of a shift-by-shift -shift impact. I think he was everywhere. He looked like the same guy who was dominant against Montreal, who was breaking the speed record, apparently. <laughs> I just think he's on. He, he's on one right now. He's rolling. He's trusting his shot. He's trusting his skating. And I think all game tonight, he was pretty much everywhere. Obviously, he gets the game tying goal, gets another assist on the game winner. But 
this is another thing where it's not just the goal and the point. It's the fact that he was everywhere on the ice. He was doing lots of things aside from that. And the points to me were more a reward for what he yes. was doing well rather than just he had a bad game and he happened to have one good play. We talked a week or two ago about how, like, yeah, Couturier, Farabee, Konechny, that line's rolling. And they are a one-line team. Yeah. Tippett almost single-handedly turns them into a team with a little bit of depth scoring. Uh, third straight game with a goal. Coming up on a, he had a streak of four straight earlier this season. Five goals in those four games. Let's see if he can get there tomorrow. Finally, star number one. Star number one is your game-winning goal scorer, Joel Farabee. Two goals on the night. Got the first goal for the team. Got the final goal for the team. Joel Farabee's just rolling right now. He didn't spend this entire game on the first line. They actually moved him down. They moved Tippett up to the first line. Probably not anything against Farabee, but just that Tippett was flying. Let's get him another shift. Let's give yeah. him more shifts. Let's get him up there with Katuri and Konechny. I think Tippett was more consistently impressive in this game than Joel Farabee, but Joel Farabee gets the two goals. He gets the game winner on a really nice uh, redirection of his Amula shot um, right at the end of the power play. I think it did count as a power play goal, yes. even though it was like one or two seconds left. Joel Farabee is just showing that he can be a consistently impactful player in this league. He's one of the league's best five on five scorers still. We're at the halfway point now. We're past the halfway point. He's still in the top 10 and five on five points per 60. Gets two goals tonight. He's on pace for nearly 30 goals this year. And that's despite doing essentially nothing on the power play. It's pretty much all at even strength. I'm really excited about Joel Farabee, and it was it was really cool to see him get that game winner. Tonight. He was your guy. We uh, where was that draft party? That was Tavern on Broad, I believe. We did that draft party. Yeah, I was not there. You were not I was there, at yes. the draft. Yes, um, but he was the guy who I wanted them to take in that draft, and was very excited when he was there. And that was uh, he was your guy going into it. He's had some ups and downs, but. Damn, if he doesn't look every bit as good as we hope for right now. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers postgame. I want to remind you, we are brought to you by Mortgage CS, and that stands for Mortgage, Mortgage Concierge Service. They're a white glove service. Uh, that means they're here for you 24-7 all of your needs are taken care of, whether you're looking to get into the market, you're not sure exactly what you have to do to buy a home, whether you're in the process and you're like, I just, I'm not so sure about this. Whatever it is, if you're looking to buy a home, you need to give Ben Stucker a call or text him, 267-391-7425. And if you don't have any questions about buying a home, maybe you're nowhere close, not interested, or you already have one, yeah. ask him about tonight. Ask him what he thinks about Joel Farabee, who's absolutely freaking killing it right now. They want to be the name you think of. When you think of mortgages, they want to create the community that we're interested in building here at PHLY. That's what makes them a uh, a great partner for us. Yeah, and even if you've all, if you already own a house, you know maybe you bought a house at the height of the uh, the interest rates. Maybe you're thinking like, hey, maybe if the economy keeps keeps improving, keeps getting better, then maybe interest rates will go down, and you want to look to potentially refi. Why don't you just like just just shoot Ben a text, chat about the flyers for a year, and then if you're ready to yeah. do that down the road, if interest rates go down, maybe you can ask him his advice. Anytime, day or night, you can hit up Ben. He has told us he's getting calls, he's getting texts, he's answering people. Uh, he's happy with everyone he's hearing from. He wants to hear from you because he wants to be part of this thing that we're building here uh now i have to read this the uh, this advertisement is not a commitment to lend or extend credit mortgage cs is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker all loans are subject to credit approval certain restrictions may apply company nmls id number 1464766 visit mortgagecs.com for more information all right, uh, that's it. That's all we have for you on PHLY Flyers postgame. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, follow us everywhere, right here on YouTube, uh, wherever there are podcasts, PHLY Flyers, and, of course, on Twitter, at PHLY underscore Flyers. I am Bill Matz. That is Charlie O'Connor. See you tomorrow, Philly. 